podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, and whenever you're ready. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Form Swim, smart swim goggles with real-time metrics as you swim. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. Kyle Smith from New Zealand is my guest on the podcast this week. What a guy. It reminded me a little bit of the episode with Jackson Laundry. Do you remember that one? Basically intelligent, generous with his time and really, really engaged as well in the conversation. I loved it. So Form Swim are sponsoring this week's episode. Their smart swim goggles are just brilliant. If you are able to maybe treat yourself or splash out on someone that you know, maybe a partner, whatever, then I really can highly recommend getting a pair. And there is a 20% discount on until December the 20th. So it is a really, really good time to get some, to give them a whirl. And since breaking my wrist back in the summer, I have found them so motivating getting back in the pool again. And apart from one session, that I went to with the club and felt so demoralised. I've actually been doing all of my swimming on my own with just the goggles for company and obviously strangers in the lane. And it's made, to me, it's made a big difference and it has made me a lot more conscious as well, actually, of, oh, what little thing am I doing that maybe is making me faster or slower on that length? Because you can see everything right in the lens of the goggles. So yeah, they are great. And I can't always blame other people in the lane for maybe me being a little bit slower. Anyway, for the 20% discount, head over to formswim.com forward slash pages forward slash inside try show. The link will still work with that 20% discount. You will get the higher discount. So go and use that formswim.com forward slash pages forward slash inside try show have you signed up yet to the erdinger alcohol free 5k your way challenge which team are you are you going team nikki bartlett are you going team lucy gossage or are you going team tom davis i am very much team nikki bartlett (laughs) it is all to help people affected by cancer and i would really really love as many listeners as possible to get involved it is five pounds for a week or you can do all five it's 25 quid All the money raised going to charity. There will be spot prizes as well. It kicks off at the very, very end of December. So get on it, get signed up. You can find all the details at insidetryshow.com forward slash links. You don't have to do them all. One would be incredible. So yeah, please do join in. That would be really, really cool. Time for this week's interview. New Zealand triathlete Kyle Smith is the epitome of hard work. Sometimes he will admit perhaps he goes a little bit too hard, but he has worked so hard for all of his successes, working as a bricklayer with his dad before earning enough money to fly with his bike and a backpack to race on the European scene. The belief and determination has paid off with multiple 70.3 wins. He was leading the 2021 Ironman World Championships. He has Jan Frodeno as a training partner, 
And he also has the confidence now to give Olympic qualification a crack for Paris in 2024. It's quite the story of this young lad who loved all things equestrian when he was growing up near Blackburn in the northwest of England. And he only discovered triathlon when his family moved to New Zealand when he was 12. Kyle Smith, welcome to the Inside Tri Show. How is it going? I'm all right. Yeah. I think it's like everyone's sort of like instinct reaction to say I'm good, but I'm all right. Like it's been a pretty rough month, but it's like one of those things, isn't it? I'm 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 doing well. I'm back to training and uh, I'm stoked about it. <laughs> Why has it been such a rough month or so? Well, like obviously like probably everyone knows what happened in Kona. I had a DNF, which is like my last kind of resort I hate doing anything like so much um and so then and just something was wrong so I don't know what it was and then turns out that basically I had COVID um that had been sort of lingering in my blood I wasn't positive in any way I wasn't ex- I didn't have any sort of symptoms in any way but like it was just in my blood so the the little c um as I like to call it <laughs> and that can be taken anyway <laughs> the four letter <laughs> word c if you want to put it that way it's the same thing um but yeah so then I, I i'm now over that which is good and like finally kicked that to the curb but now just sort of like getting a lot of dental work and um getting my teeth up to scratch being life as an athlete as uh, good for it is for your health that's also terrible for your health in other ways <laughs> right so on that point i had seen on instagram you were getting your teeth done is that for fillings or major stuff going on what yeah so a few years ago i crashed and knocked a tooth out like knocked a molar out and uh no and and basically well, i didn't knock a molar out i snapped it and the doctor basically or the, the dentist basically said he got two options it's 200 bucks or two grand and i said well the first one <laughs> and he just got it literally just picked up a pair of pliers and pulled it out uh-huh. and like was like yeah, yeah yeah so then uh that was like 19 year old me you know and then uh i i went to the dentist last year to get my wisdom teeth out and she was like hey you know you should probably you're an athlete your teeth are super important as an athlete to your health and you should probably get that tooth that you knocked out your molar replaced um, because then you can chew better and all sorts of stuff, which is obviously like eating's a big thing to being an athlete. Yeah. I was like, yeah, fair enough. I'll get it replaced. And um, so basically they did half the procedure last year and I had to wait like a certain amount of months uh, for the sort of like the, the jaw to settle and the, the whatever they did to it to settle. But then it was like the middle of the season, especially with St. George being in May. So I like kind of like didn't get around to that. So then that's, now basically is uh getting like the one side is getting an implant and then also on their way to Kona actually on the on, on the flight I was hitting a packet of nuts and I was like oh man this nut's pretty hard <laughs> like yeah sort of like half of my tooth is in there and so I cracked a tooth on the way to so I got trying to get at least it's not any of the ones that you can see um my my, my money maker's not too uh, not too beat up not doing a lionel so uh but yeah just sort of getting all my teeth because teeth are so important for health i don't think many people realize that you know like the, your first line of immunity and if there's any kind of infection in your mouth like there wasn't any infection but like if there is any infection then it can actually be quite detrimental to your performance so getting all that sorted now whilst it's kind of off season and um and just kind of literally taking it on the chin like and I'm pretty aware that like, you know, I think I've had, I'm back to, like I said, I'm back to training now. I've been back a week, but I basically took, like, I literally did one form of exercise between Kona and last week. So whatever that was, five weeks, it's the longest time I've ever had off in my life. And um, 
I mixed in doing the yarn scrail in, in the middle yeah. of that. <laughs> and uh, which was actually brutal. Like I barely got through it. Like I was still quite sick. So I barely got through it. And, uh, but yeah, and like, and, and, and last year I almost had, I had quite a long time off and I was flying in February, probably too fast in February, really. Like uh, I can probably pretty confidently say I was probably like the quickest in the world in February, which counts for nothing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like I was pretty unfit last year. And so I'm at that point now. And I was actually at the pool yesterday and I was like, I, I think I said something, you know, I used to, I used to be quite good at this and I'm <laughs> terrible. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, I let myself get pretty unfit. And some guy was like, oh, how not? You know, I was just, it took five weeks off. He's like, oh, wow. Like I only take a week off per year. And I'm like, yeah. But like, I think you need to take a long, it's hard to do at the time because you're in the time. Like, you live, When you live in the moment, it's kind of like, it's so hard to take five weeks off and it's like such a counterintuitive thing to do but I actually, I actually reckon it's just it's just so good for your health and and when i and when i got sick as well we did a whole bunch of scans with ecgs and stuff and and my heart was really fatigued like my heart was really struggling and so like i think just that was kind of like it was the start of the basically when first as soon as i got off the plane from kona i basically went in and he said yeah your heart's really probably from the virus mate more than anything just like that impact as you know i'm like your my myocardia system and uh yeah so then i now am a lot better which is good and my heart's like functioning like a normal person i think i don't know if like there might be some sort of medical people my spo2 was 91 and then we're at sea level here obviously so like i think i don't know what it is but i think under 88 or something is is uh is like hospitalization and so like when i was at 91 and that i've never had that before especially like even day one going to altitude when you're that's the most susceptible and my last before that was like 94 so like i was really struggling eh? how do you actually feel for having had five weeks off yeah i think like having five weeks off like like, like i said last year i was like i think i, don't, I think i almost took four weeks off last year like uh, and that was actually probably the best thing for me because it's just like there's a whole bunch of things, you know, hormonally and stuff as well. And then like mentally, it's probably, I think more than anything, it's it's so good for your physical health. Mentally, it's super hard, like really, really difficult. And so like I literally had to like delete social media off my phone because it was just kind of like one of those things when you see everyone out there just like setting the world on fire and you're like on the couch for another day or like, oh yeah, I get to go for a walk today. <laughs> and um and so it's quite hard. So, I, and actually, quite a quite an interesting thing happened actually when I deleted social media. I was like, I didn't. I knew that I was kind of like in that, you know, just like scrolling so much. And like, so I have it. I have it um, on my computer. So like, you know, I, I check in every day, and I and I and and I go on there for like 10, 15 minutes or whatever, and then I shut it down. And I don't come back to it, and it's like oh, there's a whole world out there, eh? It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh, wow, well, this is actually quite nice. And like my mental cognition as well has just been like so much better. It's quite interesting. It's quite a little interesting experiment that I'm doing with myself, really. It's really interesting because I think that social media is, I mean, it's so addictive. I'm as a, I'm as guilty as anybody for it, but I just feel sometimes like it's this monster that you keep on feeding and you think yeah, why totally. am I doing this yeah it's interesting for me as well like I, I was getting to like I, I studied a bit of psychology at uni in my first year and and it was quite interesting like 
some of like the dopamine receptors and and that kind of stuff and you kind of like you get a lot of dopamine when there's restraint to get something so it's kind of like i guess primordially we were sort of inclined that way and so like you know there's something hard that has to happen for you to get dopamine but like you get so much from your phone and your social media that you don't need to do anything hard so and it was actually getting to the like I wanted that from training and and I thought it was quite interesting because I've been doing this like the sport for like, you know, more than half my life now. It was kind of getting to a point where like, you know, actually just because it's not training's not new. It's kind of like my baseline is training, whatever it is per week, but just, just training is my baseline, I guess, like mental state. But then like when you, so like it wasn't actually giving me a lot of fulfillment back, like, and I think that was partly because of like, you know, your brain's just so fried from the moment you wake up. And if you scroll when you wake up, I was just getting like, oh, now I've got to go out for a bike ride. And there's just like, there's just no sort of baseline there. And so, yeah, it's been so good. Like I'm actually, I used to run with music every day as well and just had, I had like a need for it. But now like I can go out and I can just like get lost in my brain again. Like I used to, it's quite interesting. Like, but I'm only like, whatever a week into training so it's also it's also really nice but yeah it's cool I want to know about growing up was it in Blackburn or near Blackburn in the northwest of England yeah no near Blackburn yeah Oswald Twistle the town's called but we'll uh <laughs> we'll save that one for everywhere yeah I it was amazing like yeah it was really cool uh and yeah I guess I can just tell you from the start like I grew up in a really I say uh, it, it was a sporty household because my two older brothers. So actually, I saw my parents. Very, very working class. Like you know, mum grew up on a farm, and and dad grew up, you know, literally like on the street. You know, like yeah, in a terrace house, two up, two down. And and he's uh, still, he's almost sixty. No, he is sixty. He turned sixty the day of Kona, and uh, he's a bricklayer still. He's you know fit as a fiddle, and and but he's been bricklayer all his life, and so he's. He, He's not shy of earning, earning a hard dollar, you know? So yeah. Um, uh, and, and so then, you know, coming out my, my oldest brother. So my dad did motocross as like a hobby. Like it was his thing that he wanted to do. And mum growing up a form on a farm, always like horses. So then when my first brother, Aaron came along, um, dad was like, Hey, this, he's going to be the motorbike boy, you know, like, and uh, he got into motocross and, and Aaron uh, excelled through the ranks, was British national motocross champ, went to world champs for motocross and, and a pretty horrific injury ruined his career. So he was like, he excelled and especially being like a working class family in, in a motorsport, especially motocross, you're always kind of like yeah, at, at a disadvantage, I guess. And his kind of like ability on the bike was what sort of got him there, which was super cool. And uh, I remember seeing dad, you know, working Oh, weekends working everything and kind of like synonymous with the, like the Lewis Hamilton story you know like and, and he was just trying to like you know fund my brother to go motocross and and uh he ended up you know doing really well and and obviously an injury ruined his career which was was unfortunate and then Ryan came along uh, he got into horse riding sorry and mum was stoked and uh Ryan did that and then through that he did modern pentathlon and he went to world champs for modern pentathlon he was on like the he was hopeful to go to rio and and after he didn't make the rio squad was kind of the end of that for for him and, and then i came along and i was the third of three so i got juggled between the two kind of so i like grew up doing a bit of motocross and then um 
you know, Aaron, I'll be like, oh, I don't want a car to come this weekend. So then I go kind of do a bit of horse riding. If they didn't want me, I went to my grandparents' house. So I kind of like grew up doing everything really. But then through through my brother doing pentathlon, I also got into pentathlon too and and, and kind of like did quite well through the ranks. And uh, But then uh, there's always kind of like, I guess for my life, there's always kind of like a dream for my parents to move to New Zealand. They just saw it as this kind of like haven of, of a place, which it is obviously. And and they we moved to New Zealand in 2010, so I was 12. And pentathlon wasn't a thing there. We couldn't afford horses, so it was kind of like, okay, we'll uh, we'll try this triathlon thing out. That's massive in Taupo, like you know, it's where the home of triathlon is. And and obviously Bevan Doherty is from there, who was the current bronze medalist from uh, Beijing. And you can't avoid it. Like literally, like at school, you're doing triathlon, so it's like, yeah, I get into this, and I started doing quite well kind of right off the bat um yeah and just like kind of stuck to that I guess um but yeah growing up like I don't know I I like to say I've got like kind of the best of a northern grit and kiwi grit I guess like yeah it's been it was really cool growing up in the north of England I've still got obviously family like all of my extended family is still there so I try and get back at least kind of once a year and uh and visit them and yeah, I've actually been been in the north of England more than I've been in New Zealand in the past two years, which is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> did you arrive in New Zealand with a really strong Lancashire accent? I did, yeah. That's quite strange because, like, both of my brothers and my parents are still, like, as broad as they come, you know, like, still, like, as northern as you can get. And then I obviously sound like a Kiwi. And I don't know why, like, I don't know why it is, but, like, I think I just went to school and I actually... I have an idea. Like I, I used to swim in the morning. So whatever time you're at the pool, 6am or 5.30am. And then, you know, I see my parents for the 10 minutes that they dropped me in the pool. And then I, I left and then I went to school all day. And then after school, I was probably doing two other sports, whether it was football or uh, running or whatever. And then I get home at probably like seven or eight in the, in the evening, see my parents for another half an hour. And then so I was just constantly like surrounded by Kiwis. And I guess I just like picked it up like that. Uh, and then plus you kind of stick out from the crowd and no one can understand you if you've got a, like a broad Blackburn accent. So it's kind of like, you kind of almost got to, you know. Um, but yeah, that's like, yeah, back in those early days when I first moved to NZ, it was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. I just used to like sign up for everything. Like, yeah, I'll swim twice a day. I remember like an example of a Tuesday and I still remember it today because I still remember like not ever like I, remember, I was training harder when I was 12 than I am now I used to swim in the morning so I used to swim like an hour and a half and I also like for some reason like I was that kind of way inclined I used to do extra as well to get to whatever because I heard like the pros or whatever doing 6k so I'd always try and get to that whatever and then I'd skateboard to school because I used to do French before school which is quite ironic because I learned zero French in the whole time and uh and then I remember the teacher just like one time I was late for whatever reason and she just grilled me and I was like, I'm doing this voluntarily. Like <laughs> I'm trying to be in your class. There's like three of us here. It's like, you know, no one's even at school yet. And then I used to do school all day. And then on a Tuesday, fifth period, we used to go, um, we used to go cycling as like used to just get fifth like New Zealand's so loose like that like I was at school probably three days a week as well because I was always away doing sports events or something like um fifth period was like we used to go cycling so whatever would do an hour and a half on the bike and then I used to go to the pool again after school and then I used to do harriers at night 
and so like literally like it was like i'd do four sports in a day plus whatever i was probably doing PE at school as well you know <laughs> like and uh i remember i got glandular fever like whatever i did that for a year or whatever and i got glandular fever and, and i remember sitting down with the coach and he was kind of coaching the local tri club he's like, oh why do you think you know what are you doing and i just told him that and he's just like what are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to take you under. Cam Derno, he's like, he he took me under his wing and, and I was with him for my whole kind of schooling um, career, I guess. Yeah, it was, I guess that was just kind of like the way I was inclined and kind of still am, I guess. And that's probably the biggest thing that my biggest weakness is that I just always overdo it. I always just try and do too much, you know. But it sounds like if you've been doing that since you were a kid, that's what you know. And I guess that might make you happy, but it might not be the best for health. No way. Like, yeah, I just remember those times. Like, like I was so tired. Like, I remember, so, I literally still remember some of those Harrier runs. They were like an hour or whatever. And I remember like the death march in the last like 10 minutes because I was like probably eating nothing all day. Like, you know, go home and I'm just a zombie. Like, <laughs> uh, But my poor parents as well, because I remember mum, like, bless her. Like, she always said to me that I am... Um, my parents never really got into the, they didn't get into the triathlon thing for a while. So they used to say like, Hey Kyle, if you want to go swimming in the morning, we'll take you, but you have to wake us up. So I remember like getting up at like four 30 or whatever, like knocking on my parents door. I'm really sorry, but can you take me to swimming please? And then like, I reckon the day I got my driving license was the happiest day of their life. Eh? Like way happier than childbirth, I reckon. Like, and then I remember mum, would like you know they worked all day and then mama just stay at work until eight o'clock until she had to pick me up like because we used to live quite a bit out of town as well so like thinking back on a day they must have drove them nuts like (laughs) oh why do we have a son why can you do like table tennis or something like (laughs) it's the love kyle it's the love yeah exactly and it's actually quite funny because like yeah i guess like through the love of that mum became like ever got really into triathlon after that and then like she became like president of the local club and she's actually um she's i think she's she messaged me the other day and she said oh i've been asked to be the draft buster at 70.3 Taupo. and i was like don't do it (laughs) (laughs) take another job It's like, because everyone loves you and now I just don't want everyone to hate you. So, <laughs> and so like, I think she's on the, I think she's on the penalty board or something or, so she's the second least popular person. <laughs> she's not on the motorbike, she's in the penalty box. <laughs> and one other thing about you growing up, did you do the Burley horse trials? I did. Yeah. What was that like? But uh, yeah, it was fun. Like it was like, yeah, it was, it was super cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I like I like even I guess it's like sports been and that sort of stuff has been like yeah I think thinking back on it like since I can remember like we were always going away at weekends and we we're always competing in something like horse riding was and horse riding actually became quite it was definitely my most favorite sport of the two when I got more into it um because and, and, and there's a theory that I have of it too like all the people that I meet that were kind of like into equestrian or whatever when when they grew up were and it's quite funny to be an equestrian athlete in a working class household. It just doesn't yeah. fit. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, it was quite like, yeah, just mum had the love of it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, worked bloody hard so that we could do it, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was super fun. And I, and I still think to this day, like, you know, looking after, it's like you're looking after something else. And it's just giving you me like a, I, I don't know, like a sense of responsibility that's bigger than me. 
end. So it's kind of like, yeah, looking after these, you know, at whatever time in the morning you've got to wake up to pick shit out of a stable or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it gives you something else. It's that work ethic, isn't it, that you would obviously got from your parents as well. Yeah, that's the thing. I think my parents is like, yeah, obviously they gave us some kind of like for, that was undiscovered of them. I'm sure they would have been world champions in their own right and whatever sport they decided to do. But um, yeah, she's obviously, they obviously gave us something. But like I, I always say that the biggest thing they gave us was work ethic. Like in 2020, I've told the story a million times. It's probably getting old. But like in 2020, COVID hit. I was like, ah, oh, that's not good. Like I don't have any money. I don't have any sponsors. <laughs> So then, and I'd always worked with my dad, like, you know, if he calls me up, he's like, I got a big job, I need a hand. I'd always go on like chipping on the job or whatever. But um, yeah, but go work like a day with my dad. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Eh? Like, he's running, he's like 60 years old and he's running rings around me. I've got to like sit down at lunchtime and have a break. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be the professional athlete. And he's like, and, and I still remember, like, I'll go get his lunch or whatever, like go get him a sandwich or a pie or whatever. And he's just like, he's like still laying bricks, like whilst eating wow. a sandwich. Cause he's like, and he counts it as well. He's just like, oh, whatever. That's that much. That's that much. It's just like, he works so hard. And uh, yeah, honestly, like I did that for a day. I was like, oh, I'm all right. And then like you get home, like, I'm aching. And then like the next day you go back. And after like a few weeks of it, I was just a wreck. I remember like the first week of working, I was like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to swim in the morning, go to work, and then whatever, run in the afternoon. And then that was like the first week. And it was like, I'm going to swim three times a week. And then by the end of it, I was like, I'll see you. I was swimming like once a week or whatever. Cause I was just like, I just it's physical work, isn't wake it? up in the morning. My arms just wouldn't work. Like, <laughs> so then did it make you think it's basically I either work in like this or I got to go for it, you know, go for it in triathlon and then you don't have to do this. That's the thing. I think like a, a great quote, I don't know who said it. I heard is like, um, you don't do something for the thought of what you can have. It's for like, what the alternative is if you don't do something, you know, and I've seen the world out there. It's like, yeah, I think luckily I've got a business degree at school, but I still, I think I I still wouldn't use that anyway. You know, like I, I sitting, the idea of sitting in an office is actually my idea of a, of a nightmare. Eh? So, um, so yeah, I think brick lane will be my only option or building or something. And it's bloody hard. So yeah, I, I work, but yeah, it's like, yeah and, and and all this stuff's kind of never lost on me you know like I guess like having the stuff behind me like all the sort of like you know bike stuff I can't I, I came to Europe with a backpack and a cardboard box and now I've got like a full apartment and a and, and amazing sponsors and and people that l- allow me to live this life and this dream that I could only ever dream of you know and I took a big it was quite strange like it was a bit of a fork in the road but there was never it was a fork in the road but the other fork in the road going to brick lang and not doing triathlon was never an option and it's like yeah quitting has never uh never crossed my mind ever um and so it's like it's just something that i do and like i said sports just something that i do for my whole life and so when it kind of like got to crunch time and it's just like what are my options to make this work um and and bricklaying obviously was my option to make it work and then I remember PTO put up you know two grand I think it's two thousand New Zealand which is like just over a thousand pounds or a thousand euros for the local half Ironman and I remember saying like oh dad like you know if it's all right with you we'll finish this job it was about four weeks basically before this half Ironman if it's all right with you like 
uh, I'm not going to come in for the next job. I want to really focus on this race. And like my dad, to his credit, has always been my number one, my mom and my dad, they're my number one supporter. So like anything you need, you know, like, yeah, absolutely go for it. And so I'd saved up enough money at that point from working all year. And, uh, and I remember sitting on Facebook marketplace and and I was like, Oh, there's a Scott plasma for sale. And I was riding some like, absolutely crud beaten down Cervelo. Like I, I got it free from a friend. Yeah. So he literally was going to throw it in the skip and I had to like spend a day just like beating out the rusted parts out of the carbon frame. And I got it up and running and it, and it won me my first two hearts. So it wasn't bad. It was a, it was still a good bike, but I remember seeing this other bike and it was like, I think it was like five grand New Zealand or something. And I was like, Oh, I've just got to do it. And so I bought this bike and spent all of my savings. And I was like, ah, I've really got to win this race now. <laughs> and then I just sent the race into next week. Yeah. I just was, oh, and and I won the race. And then I was like, all right, I've got this two grand now. Cool. That gets me to the next race. And then I won the next race and I won the next race. And then I did Ironman New Zealand. And then, then it was kind of like, Oh, I've actually got to come to Europe now and uh and 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 do it in Europe. Cause otherwise it's like going back to another year of bricklaying. <laughs> and uh okay, and I came to Europe and I guess like, yeah, that's kind of like my life sort of changed since then. It's been quite surreal, really. Can you believe how much it has changed in the space of what, coming up to two two and a bit years? Two years, yeah. I feel a bit like I feel uh, quite like I watched Lord of the Rings the other day and uh uh, the Hobbit you know when Bilbo goes out and he's like I'm going on an adventure and he literally like my parents house is literally you can see in the movie in Lord of the Rings you can literally almost see my parents house like in the wow. background they live right around the corner from Hobbiton so like it was literally like I left with a backpack and a bike and uh, <laughs> I'm here so it's actually quite cool uh, it's quite a nerdy sort of like uh, no, metaphor. No, I think but... when you came with your rucksack, I mean, did you have a plan of attack or anything like that? Not at all. No, no, no. And I literally like, because uh, Ironman had their like 90 day paying policy. It was like, I'd done Ironman New Zealand. And I was like, I know I've got that money from Ironman. And I qualified for Kona too. So I was like, that's most my big goal for that year. I never actually wanted to race Ironman at all. <laughs> like It was the Olympics, wasn't it? You were doing World Cup stuff and ITU stuff. And the plan was to go for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my plan was to yeah. go to Tokyo. And uh, and then obviously I qualified for Kona. And then obviously, obviously with long distance triathlon and racing Ironman, I just can't thank racing Ironman enough because it's like literally brought me the sponsors and I guess they're like maybe the the attention and and it's literally been like so almost like too good to be true with like how the stuff has worked out since I've been here and it's been super cool but yeah it was kind of like never the plan really like I raced Ironman New Zealand because I didn't know if there'd be any in Ironman after and then um <laughs> then I obviously qualified for Kona and I was like oh shit I did another one and so I came to Europe and uh and yeah, I was pretty tired. I like I, I was racing from like November to you know May basically in New Zealand, and then you come here and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I got to do that again. And I had a pretty, I pretty, I had an okay season over here, and I was pretty stoked, you know. To and then and then like with all that sort of brought all the accolade and all the sponsors, which was just like, and now like literally, yeah, I left with a backpack and a bike box. I was living in, I was literally living in an apartment smaller than this room when I first moved to Europe. And it was like, it was, it was, it was a lot. Like I remember the first week in there. So I'd arrived. I was so tired. I didn't even have a fork. So like, I was like, oh man, I remember the first thing that I bought was a towel that I've still got. And it was like, it, the towel wasn't even big enough to go around me because <laughs> that was the only thing that was there. And I bought a fork and there's like the two first things that I bought. And I was like, okay, 
right, we're good now. We're going to be safe. And then uh, I was racing French Grand Prix to basically like my French Grand Prix team were like, if I, it's a really weird policy that they had. If you were first in the team in the race and a team, you got basically got a thousand euros. All my objective was, was to be first in my team at every race. And and so, yeah, I, I basically lived like, you know, do a French Grand Prix, get a thousand euro, cool that pays my rent for the next whatever okay then i can go and race 70.3 here or i can go here and race this and then like that was super that was a fun time actually like it was and then i had like this little fixie bike with no brakes that i'd borrowed from a mate in france and it was like it was life was simple but it was so grim it was <laughs> what do you think has been the key thing that changed all of that or do you think it's been like lots of big things yeah, no, the, the Collins Cup and the things that went around the Collins Cup definitely changed everything, really. Okay. Like, I and and because it was literally like to that point, it was like the bank account was in single figures a lot. And it was like, okay, you got a thousand euro. Okay, cool. Well, that gives me, you know, and I can go, you know, it was like literally like that for months and months and months. And then I was lucky enough to uh, um, make it to the Collins Cup. And then that, I think everyone knows, it comes with like, it, comes with a fair chunk of prize money for especially for me at that time i think i got like twenty thousand eighteen thousand euros i think oh imagine the forks you can buy with that oh mate forks i was living house. yeah and that's cha- that that all just changed everything really because if you like you know i went to the collins cup that then allowed me to come to girona then um and sort of have an apartment have a base and have a stable kind of like you know support network that or not support network but a stable base so that i could uh basically then just train you know and 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 kind of get ready for the next season and then obviously at, at the cons cup too i sort of met Jan and and then we bumped into each other in girona and then we started kind of training together very informally at the start which was kind of like i guess quite serendipitous with just meeting him at the cons cup but yeah that kind of changed everything because then i could like again going back to you know a bit of psychology but and maslow's hierarchy of needs basically you're the bottom rung of the pyramid or the base of your pyramid is security. So if you don't have security, like, you know, if whatever, for some reason it's unstable or whatever, you don't know, like, which it kind of like, it was at the start, it was super fun. Like, you know, like unpredictability is the spice of life. It was so fun coming over, but uh, yeah, the, the bottom rung was definitely not stable, you know? So like trying to build on top of that was quite, you know, it's a lot, you, you know, you can't sort of like, become too picky or sort of like you know you just train as much as you can and then sort of like you know you're not focusing on performance you're just focusing on just like getting it out there you know um or like performance nutrition or i definitely wasn't doing like the marginal gains or whatever that everyone i guess talks about i was just trying to get through the week and um and then yeah having that sort of like that that 20 grand or 18 grand or whatever literally changed everything because then i could come to girona and why girona it's funny because I was supposed to go 70.3 worlds and, and I was at literally at Barcelona airport and I hurt my hip when I crashed at the Collins cup. And so I was like, ah, oh, like I had this big hematoma. I still couldn't run. And I was like, Oh, like, don't know if I want to go to, and I hadn't organized anything for 70.3 worlds at that point. Like, and, and cause you still haven't been paid from Collins cup yet. So I was still like, Oh, we'll get there and we'll find out, you know, I paid for flights, but I was like, Oh, we'll get there and maybe stay in a hotel until whatever. And, uh and i actually uh my flight got 
cancelled no delayed so that means i would have missed my connecting flight and this whole thing it would have been fine but it was just like that straw that broke the camel's back and i was in barcelona and i was like nah <laughs> and I, i'm going to girona just i was literally i'll go to girona for a couple of weeks you know triathlon new zealand have a camp when i was 2018 and 19 i was here for like a week or two in banyoles so i'd know girona and i knew it was a really cool place to train and stuff and i was in barcelona which is like half an hour away so i was like I get on the train come here and literally found an apartment whilst we were on the train and and it just sort of worked out from then and and i've been here now for like i don't know how long a long time like since september 2021 so yeah just over 12 months and and it was literally only supposed to be for like maybe a month or two and then i would have headed back to new zealand but we missed out on the lottery every single time so i couldn't get a room in quarantine every single time and it was so funny like brad and carrie were staying in my apartment and I was trying to get a room and um, he already had a room and I was trying to get a room and I was like, ah, oh, like just really want to get a room. eh?" And he's like, Oh, I might try again. Like, because his room was maybe in like three weeks time. And he was like, of course, when you're a dad and you miss your kids and you miss your family and stuff, you that three weeks is going to be a long time. And he gets on and he got like 400th in line. And so he got another room and he was like in two days or something. And I was like 30,000th in line every single time I did it. And I was like, ah, oh. but I think everything happens for a reason. And actually staying here was super cool. Um, and the winter, I loved the winter here last year. And it was super special. We did, you know, a whole bunch of skiing and, the, you know, ski mountaineering and stuff. I learned that as a new kind of sport, which is super cool. And uh are you going to stay there for another winter, another European winter? Yeah, um, I haven't really decided when I'm going. I am going back to New Zealand this winter, the European winter. I'm definitely going back to New Zealand. Um, but probably January, I'll head back. Um, you know, I'd love to see my parents and my brothers and stuff again. That'd be super cool. And uh, and also the racing in New Zealand. I think I, you know, it's always nice to go back and race at, and at home and. I think I at least owe that much to everyone, you know, like kind of gone away. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to like, I feel like a lot of people go overseas and then they lose like, they're not like forgetting their roots, but they kind of like just like disassociate with New Zealand. And I just don't want to be like that. Eh? Like I just, I'm like, I guess I was not born in New Zealand, but I'm definitely a Kiwi through and through. You know, you mentioned Braden there. Didn't he, Braden Curry, didn't he help you out when you were 19, a bit like Jan helping you out in Girona? Yeah. How do you know this story? I probably, have I told it? Oh, I do my research. I do my research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like Braden, it's a really funny story and I'm not going to name the other culprits involved, but basically I was, I was staying with a guy who said that you can come stay at my house in Boulder. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. Like I'll come and, and and I went there and then like the person went to Europe to do a race and I was doing a race in America and I came back and uh, basically I opened the front door to this house and the alarms just start blurting out. I'm like, Oh no, I, don't, I haven't been given the code. So I messaged the guy. I'm like, Hey man, like haven't, what's the code? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know <laughs> like, and the neighbors are coming around and there's a whole commotion and like, obviously like, alarms going off in the u.s is like a major thing and i'm like sitting on the doorstep like uh and uh and, and then anyway he messaged me about like 10 minutes later oh this is the code put it in and ended up working i was like okay cool and then uh literally like, i got in 
and I'd sat down and I'd been such a long day of traveling already. And then there's like, knock, knock, knock. And I was like, oh, who's that? Anyway, go to the door and there's like two police officers, like hand on their holster. And I'm like, hey guys, what's up? And so like, oh, we've had reports of a burglary. Like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I know the owner of the house. And he's like, they're asking me all these questions and, uh, and right, right, right. And anyway, yeah, okay, yeah, it seems to all check out. They took my part, they like, took a photo of my passport and stuff, and, and off they went. Oh, no, they didn't take a photo of my passport, which was probably like, they took a photo of my driving license. Uh, and anyway, and then off they went. And then uh, the guy messages me back, and he's like, hey, man, uh, I'm actually just house-sitting the house, eh? And he was just trying to be a good sport. Like, he was just trying to, like, help me out. But he's like, I'm actually just house-sitting the house. And, uh, uh, and if, um, you know... I think the police are going to come back because they were checked in with the actual owners and the actual owners didn't know you were supposed to be in there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. So I just literally was like speed packed everything into my bike bag and just like so luckily that like on the way back to the house from the bus stop, I bumped into Brayden. He was going for a run. So I was like sitting, I just like left and I messaged Brayden and then I messaged Bevan McKenna and I was like, hey, man, like any chance of a spare, any chance I can sleep on your couch or something. And yeah, Braden had a spare bed and then helped me out there. And literally, like, literally, that was my first kind of like proper encounter with Braden. And that was in his um, Kona build up that year too. So I was kind of like stoked that he kind of let me in and uh, it's kind of took me under his wing a little bit. And then like, when we were obviously racing in New Zealand and we kind of became this like, I guess like, it was quite a fun story to tell that we were like rivals or whatever, but yeah, we were super good friends. And Braden's always Braden and Sally as well. His his wife is they're always you know I th- I'm, I think I'm like their unwanted third son almost. <laughs> I mean like you know the annoying little brother or something. But yeah, it's the same. You know, like Braden and Yana are two sort of like amazing people I look up to. Eh? What would you say has been the most influential thing that you've learned from Yan? I think it's just like the professionalism around it and like referring back to and just like knowing what you have to do and sort of like cutting out, cutting out the fat as in like, you know, not just junk training, I think was like a big one for me. Like, so, like I said earlier, just tended to do too much, too hard, too much, you know, like, and when I started training with yarn, it was just like every, everything is like with it. It's just so calculated that everything is done for, and, and I, at the start, I was sort of like, uh not sure but like yeah after three months of kind of training with him like I said in February like I was I was going really really well probably obviously too early for the time but then yeah I was flying in February so like the the methodology of his training definitely worked but also like um there's, there was a lot of things like he's such a great guy and and the humility that I sort of learned from him you know like he's the best we ever do it there's you know like he's the world he's the biggest star in triathlon that's like un, undoubted you know he's probably the only person that's transcended the sport you know he kind of like yeah he won i mean he i think he won german sportsman of the year in the year that nico rosberg won the f1 world title so it's like you know he's like he's transcended the sport and but just like the humility that he faces and you know like um and how caring he is for his family and it's just that that's a nice thing to like know that even though he's like the best in the world nothing changed him and which was super cool um and that's probably one thing I learned and you know just that professionalism around everything like everything's just for performance and and uh yeah just kind of like being I guess healthy and, and doing that sort of stuff yeah 
Is he, um, I mean, do you have a coach as well or is he pretty much your coach or do you do the same sessions? How does it work? Yeah, there was like, there was a lot of concern at the start of like, you know, like my coach, Tim Brazier, who I'd worked for for the last six years was quite, I guess, not apprehensive, but he was just like a little bit cautious with, he was like, you know, you're, you step you're jumping into the shark tank with the big boys now like you know you've got to just be careful and uh and he was kind of like there but yeah I seem to handle it you know better than we both kind of expected actually um which was like a massive a massive learning curve but yeah my I I was quite cautious of uh yeah I sort of I just wanted to learn from him right so I did as much as I could and and but obviously like everyone sort of like needs their their own time and their own space and that sort of stuff so yeah it was just like that really I kept my own coach and and was training under that and uh yeah just kind of like learning from the master I guess um but just like actually it wasn't even like that it was like we were just two mates training like it was actually quite I reckon that's why it kind of worked quite well right because we were just like two guys that got along really well and first and foremost and then we also like trained together and it worked for both of us and you know like it never really felt like a I don't know like a training partner it was never quite it was never formal or anything like that it was just like we enjoy training together so like we trained together you know I remember David McNamee saying that in the run-up to Kona when he trained with um, Jan and the thing that Jan said to him was you know, you're ready, David. And I think David wanted to do more sessions in his last few weeks. Does that sound similar? Yeah, it's so easy to forget too, eh? Like, uh, and especially like, you're always doubting, you're always seeing, like you say, like I said, on social media, what everyone else is doing. And like, you always forget it. Like, even I forgot it. Like before Kona this year, I was kind of almost panic training because I'd been quite kind of ill all year and and not had a great year health wise and so like I was just trying to panic train and then just overdid it and you're like ah oh, like if I just like in hindsight it's a beautiful thing because you see exactly what you're doing wrong but when you're at the time like you're, you're sitting there going oh like I'm not doing enough or whatever so, and especially when you see like the Norwegians going for a 40k run and they were like staying like in the same kind of place as us in Kona and you're like yeah I should probably be doing more eh it's just like that was a bit much but yeah um I think that's the thing isn't it so you just got to trust in your own process and just like trust what works for you and I'm still I guess learning finding that out 2023 then what are your targets my targets yeah like um yeah next year I've I think I've I've already I've already said I've got an ambition of going to the Olympics in 24 so like, and and I stepped away from ITU almost not with a, I wasn't never bitter about like stepping away, but it was just like, I still believe in myself physiologically that, you know, that actually like the Olympic distance stuff suits me more than I guess I am in. And so like, yeah, I, I'm going to shoot for that. And obviously I'm no, I'm, you know, it's not going to be an easy task. It's going to be, first of all, I've actually like, I'm probably not even going to make a World Cup start, let's never mind a World Series at the moment because I haven't raced in two years. So I've got to go back to Conti Cup level and, and work my way through like ever, you know, anyone else starting out on this journey has to. So that's the first thing. But also next year racing, you know, the PTO races. And and I, I've got no doubt in my mind that I can, or I guess I am one of the best in the world, but just not being able to put it out in performance. And I guess there's that kind of like age old, train like Tarzan and race like Jane and I felt like you know 
a major major that this year you know like I was training really really well especially like I say in February I was undoubtedly in my mind that I was gonna podium in St George and then for whatever reason just a bit of unluck and a bit of like you know not listening to my body and just not having that kind of support network around me that I sort of like now realize that I've now built. So like, a, for example, I didn't have anyone massage me in two years and I was just like, cause I was, cause I was never getting injured. I never thought I needed massage, but actually it's not even about that. It's not, I just thought I'm not sore. So I'll just keep, I don't need a massage. I'm fine. You know, like, so yeah, that was like two years. And then actually when I started seeing one, it was like, you know, and then also seeing someone that can just like, you know, look after my health because my health was like, and for a long time as well, it's been probably like the major thing for me, just getting sick of my immunity. And especially when you're pushing the boundaries that much and then not looking after the sort of like immunity side of the body. And probably, like I said, just doing too much too often is is probably the biggest thing. So now I've sort of like built this little team um, around me that can kind of like help me out in that way and sort of point me in the right direction to try and keep my health on track. Because yeah, like I say, in February, I was, like just I was flying and I really really thought that you know I was gonna set the world on fire that year and last year this year I guess sorry so now I think I say this every year I get to this time of year I was like next year's my year but I really feel like next year might be my year and uh like I said just mixing up doing the ITU uh I don't don't think I'll do an Ironman next year but you never know if I can if I can uh, get in shape, you know, like just try and do a Gustav and Christian, then someone's got to take them on. They're just taking the piss a little bit. <laughs> what does Hayden Wild think of you going for the Olympics in Paris in 2024? Yeah, yeah I think he's all for it. And that's actually one of the reasons why, why I sort of like had an idea. Like I was doing a track session with him back in July, I think. And, and me and him were like, just like, throwing punch he was throwing a lot more punches than I was but we're basically going like throwing punches at each other on the track and that this is like two weeks before commies as well and then I was like oh, I'm holding my own here like oh cool and uh, it was actually his coach and hey we're like bro like you should come back to world triathlon eh? like so I was like yeah I'm gonna I might give it a, give it a crack eh uh and that, that and, and also like you know like a, like in pre-season last year like kind of like you know through December January this year and the training that I was really responding to was kind of like pointing me sort of in that direction so yeah I, but, but again like I haven't raced an ITU race in two years and I've got no like delusions that it's going to be bloody difficult and uh yeah I think there's going to be a lot of people especially like gonna be a lot of people doubting like I had some guy like I love him to bits but like you know someone that just like tells you the the harshness of stuff and you're like I didn't want to hear that I didn't want to hear it actually yeah he's like oh he's like oh I think he said the word he's like oh interesting I know what you mean like elaborate (laughs) I just like uh, yeah it's quite nice to like have that now and I'm just like yeah prove him wrong whatever (laughs) well it's going to be an exciting few years following you for sure and I wish you all the best thank you so much Kyle for taking the time I have really really enjoyed it thanks you so much for having me on Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. If you do enjoy the podcast, you like what I do, then please do have a little think about becoming a patron. It is patreon.com forward slash Inside Try Show. Ben, 
also known as Wilf Goodfellow. He is a 70.3 Ironman age group world champion. He is going to be on the podcast next week. I was actually lucky enough to chat to him face to face because he lives just down the road from me. And Ben will be the last episode before a week's break between Christmas and New Year and then back as normal in January. I don't have a whole load of news here. We have been having some puppy training classes, which is great. So Alfie can now lie and I've progressed to Crocs in the house. If he's in a good mood, I'm actually all right in socks around him. I guarantee he'll be licking my feet. It's just when he gets tired, he'll go super bitey. But there is definitely, definitely progress on that front. The wellies are not out all of the time. So yeah, that that is a good thing. So this week's episode has been sponsored by Form Swim to help keep you motivated as you swim. Remember, now is a really, 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 really good time to get a pair because you'll get 20% off goggles, which comes with a year's free membership. So you can build custom workouts. If a coach designs swim workouts, you can slot them in and you can access a library of workouts too. There are loads of them. So for that 20% holiday discount, go over to formswim.com forward slash pages forward slash inside try show. Prescottsportswear.com are also sponsoring the podcast every other week at the moment. Use the code inside try 15. It's valid until the end of March 2023. It is one use per customer on everything apart from heel jerseys and do keep on sending us your monthly goals. Do not be shy. You just have to comment on the Prescott Instagram post. You'll see it as well on at inside try show at Prescott Sportswear and each month we are picking a winner to get a form swimming cap and some coffee from Preska. You can also get money off with friends of the show, resilientnutrition.com, comfuel.co.uk and 33fuel.com. Just look in the show notes for the codes. That is it for this week. So thank you very much for listening. Happy training, happy racing, if maybe you're down under, and we'll catch up again next week. Podcast Network.